Podcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the Ignite EdTech Podcast with Craig Kemp, created by an educator for educators and streaming to the world. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 113 of the Ignite EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm honored to have you join us. As you know, I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. Last week, I asked you about your school's SIS, or Student Information System, and the pros and cons of it. Thank you for sharing. This week, I wanted to ask you about your success stories with technology in 2022. I'd love to hear from you. Please share with us via our Ignite EdTech social streams. We'll share these stories in next week's episode. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is Classflow. Classflow is a free lesson delivery platform. With Classflow, teachers can create content-rich lessons that feature a mixture of interactive whiteboard presentations and device-based quizzing, polling, and responses. They can then deliver these lessons via an interactive whiteboard or directly to whatever web-enabled devices students might be using. The platform works in a variety of scenarios, remote, blended, one-to-one, flipped classroom, or in-person. The nuts and bolts of lesson creation are quite simple. Teachers create or pull in content from their own resources, from the site's marketplace, or from web or cloud-enabled resources, and then integrate these resources into a series of cards similar to PowerPoint or Google Slides. Lessons can be taught via an interactive whiteboard or by sharing them virtually to students' devices. Students join via a class code or URL to participate in real time. Learning activities include flashcards, sequencing, matching, crosswords, word searches, and much more. There are also a variety of assessment options, such as multiple choice, true-false, short text, and creative responses. The site collects and stores this assessment data for teachers' use once the lesson has ended. Classflow's tools offer students ways of communicating and cementing understanding and then transferring their knowledge. But it's up to teachers to guide them there. Teachers will need to balance manageable chunks of info with engaging interactive activities. Classflow can support this and can help teachers inform or adjust instruction on the fly, but it will come down to individual teachers' creativity. However, the tools are there too, for instance, to check understanding, using a quick poll, then use the results to reteach a concept for the whole class and or create and deliver differentiated follow-up lessons. This process of instruction, feedback and adjustment can go a long way towards helping students understand what's being taught at that moment. Bear in mind, however, that this push towards a learning process focused on higher-order thinking isn't necessarily backed in or scaffolded for teachers. So while class flow isn't necessarily reinventing instruction, it's usefully refining instructional flow and providing tools that can support positive pedagogical adjustments. I highly recommend that you take a look at the link in the description below, classflow.com. Last week, we dived straight into two incredible interviews. If you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's episode. This week, 
I wanted to share my thoughts on screen time and parent training. Last week, I was lucky enough to be in Bangkok again with EduSpark, leading the Phobicia CPD Leaders Conference at Bangkok Patina School, a gathering of more than 50 incredible CPD leaders and heads of schools from across Asia. EduSpark was the online professional learning platform of choice, and our team led workshops and roundtables to support the incredible event. It was a lot of fun, and a lot of great learning happened, and continues in communities of practice inside the platform. One of the withstanding conversations from the event was about technology, and the constant stream of questions that schools have from parents around screen time. School leaders identified the problems that parents face, and how schools support this. Often, Schools struggle with justifying time dedicated to parent training and support in this area. I have a few ideas to help you get this started and help parents feel listened to and supported. First off, focus on staff training and identify the areas your staff and students need development in. Your parents' sessions should replicate this. Train the parents on what is happening at school. Let these be a replicator of your messaging. The second one is to develop a consistent training program. Consistency breeds belief. I firmly believe in this. If you can run monthly in-person sessions and monthly online sessions so there's something happening for parents every few weeks, these could be bite-sized, pre-recorded, demos, or in-depth conversations, but make them focused and targeted and people will come. Be open to feedback. What do your community have questions or concerns about? What do they want to know? Meet them where they want to be, even if it's uncomfortable. Offer Q&A and answer their questions. Give them resources to walk away with. Don't be afraid to get them working either. Parents, like teachers and students, don't want to sit and be preached to by you. Create interactive and engaging parent sessions that get them doing the work. The learning is where the work is. So get student devices out or tools to get people playing, discussing, and exploring, and get them to answer their own questions. Sessions on digital well-being are always winners. Utilize the expertise of people from all over the world, like Heather Bernard, who you can find on Twitter as at TechStarTeacher, who's experienced in leading learning in this space in schools, and share the power and positivity of having an online presence. You can also help parents co-create at home digital agreements with their students. Some of the best sessions I've ever run in schools start with this activity. Creating a culture of care. Once parents know that you're listening to them and supporting them, they'll be better at crafting how they reach out to you without being needy. Build their confidence and ease the burden on yourself. And finally, have teachers share best practice at parent sessions. The trust is already high there, so get them involved and parents will come. My biggest message is to get people interested. Be consistent and be context specific for your school. Parents will love that you're dedicating time to support them in their growth. And most of all, that you're willing to listen and answer their questions and concerns. To learn more, please connect and follow on your social channel of choice. And don't hesitate to reach out with your thoughts and ideas. Every week, I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Brian Laylor. Let's have a listen to the chat. 
Today, I have the honor of speaking with Brian Laylor. Brian is the deputy head of school at an international school in China. With a wealth of international experience, Brian is a model of hard work and passion leads to results. He's been a classroom teacher, head of studies, PYP coordinator, primary principal, and deputy head of school, and has worked across multiple countries. Brian, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration? I am indeed, and it's, a, it's wonderful to be here. Awesome. Let's go. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role and what inspires you to do what you do? So, yeah, my, my, in my current role, I'm the deputy head of school at a, a school here in the middle of China called Xi'an Liang Jatan International School. The, the deputy head of school role, I, I heard a good, uh, a good way of describing it was uh, the book slows down here, you know. So I, I oversee the um, logistics department, human resources, finance, and then the three divisions being the, the PYP, the MYP, and, and the DP. Yeah, I guess it's a, it's a, a whole school position. And when I'm enjoying a lot, however, this is just my, you know, I've only been five months in the role. So a pretty steep uh, learning curve uh, at the moment. And your question there about what gets me excited about the role, it's just such a wonderful position to be in, in a whole school role, to be able to use self-study processes, um, you know, the self-study we have through WASC or through the IB, to really improve learning and well-being for, for all students. So I just see these, these tools as being a fabulous um, resource to have to improve uh, student outcomes and well-being. Yeah, I think you've, you've summed it up really nicely, Brian. You've had a whole lot of experience in the international school space for a long time now across many different countries. And many of our listeners are interested in the space. Why did you choose to travel internationally and what do you love about this expat lifestyle? That's a, yeah, another great question. So I guess, why did I travel? You know yourself, there, there was... I think there's there's a bit of a a bug in some people, you know, to to get out there to to see the world and to you know just to learn more about different cultures. You know, as a kid, I remember watching old you know Van Damme movies or Bruce Lee movies and thinking, oh, I'd love to you know do that to you know to go to Thailand or or go to to Asia. But I had an Irish teacher, and he's passed away now. Paddy Calvary was his name. And he'd rarely teach us Irish, but one thing he used to do was he was a big like uh, travel enthusiast, and he used to bring in these speakers from other and you know people he'd meet on his travels or interesting people. He'd bring them into the school to to talk to us, you know. And these people, you know, from Canada or wherever, you know, they really impacted me. And he used to always say to us every summer he'd go, he'd just go to over to the states and get on Greyhound buses and that kind of thing. But he said to me that travel was the university of life, you know, and it really stuck with me. And, um, you know, coming from a, a small country, Ireland, and coming from the south of Ireland, you know, it being a very Republican, very Catholic kind of a, you know, it's just us kind of a mindset. Traveling overseas really, really helped to to open my mind, you know, and particularly, you know, we, we talk about the IB learner profile attribute, this open minded, valuing your own culture, but also valuing other cultures and the perspective of people with different views can also be right. So, you know, this is this has been the, the driving force um, between, you know, what's 
what's got me, you know, traveling overseas and, and really enjoying it. Yeah, I love that Travelers, the University of Life. It's really sums up, you know, like you said, for many of us in the international school system and life, it's what we do. It's it's a way to connect to culture, to connect to people, um, and you know, really enjoy time uh, and learning at the same time. And speaking of learning, I guess your roles have changed significantly over your time in the international school system, and now as a deputy head of school, five months in, I'm sure a lot of your work is around culture and learning. Tell us about this and what your best advice is for schools when it comes to getting culture right. Yeah, so this is this is a, a, another great question and, and something that I'm learning a lot about uh, these days. You know, the, the whole thing of leadership and management and emotional intelligence, like I find, find these three very important, you know. But to get culture right, two two things that are vital are the first thing is to to get your team united around a goal. And generally, that goal is the, the school mission, you know, in your recruiting or in your professional development, like helping everybody to see and to, you know, we're steering things back here to the like the why of, of why we're here and that being the, the school mission. The other thing then about that is um, is your your recruiting and, and retention of, of staff. I think that, again, in, in my role, one of the things that I'm very, very fortunate to be able to do is to be responsible for recruiting. And that recruiting process is just so important that, you know, you, you interview the person. And I'm a firm believer that in an interview, you can only learn so much. You know, I, I don't put a lot of like uh, faith in the interview. But then as a school administrator now, it's so important to do thorough reference checks and to ensure that the, you know, the people you're bringing to your school are obviously they, they you know, they, they know their craft, but that they're safe to work with children and that they have the kind of, um, you know, glass half full attitude, kind of finding those, you know, people who can roll with the punches is very, very important. And actually, Craig, your 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 previous question, you know, I about um, you know living overseas and and the the strengths to it. Like, there, there's so many as well, you know, like the you know far people who are you know open minded and optimistic. It's just you just fall in love with you know living overseas because every time you step outside your door, it's an opportunity to learn. You know, you're constantly being bombarded by different tastes, different smells, and I just think in this international teaching world that we're in, just the opportunities we have to interact with different people, to come up against, you know, cross-cultural conflict and to learn how to listen and how to navigate. Just so much, man. You know, I, I could go on at length about the advantages to, to teaching overseas if you wanted me to, but there, there's so many of them, you know. Yeah, I, I love how what you're talking about comes back to that idea of lifelong learning. And there are many people in this international school environment that lifelong learning is what embodies them, I guess. It's what they do. It's how they engage. It's um, not just professionally, but personally as well. When it comes to professional learning in your school, you know, obviously, I'm in the space of professional learning and development now with EduSpark, and this is always something that gets me excited about hearing what people like you are doing in their school. How can schools get better at supporting teachers in their growth and development, Brian? So the you know it's funny you ask that now because actually just yesterday and the day before, 
I was just doing, we had an in-school, you know, TOK workshop. Um, and I, I had the, again, with this role I'm in now to be learning about this diploma program. And I just had a two-day TOK workshop. And it's after blowing my mind, you know, to to understand the the depth of this um, diploma program and, you know, how it's preparing students. Like, you know what I mean? If you want to just get into college, do your A-levels, three A-levels you're in. But the diploma program, which, you know, six subjects in the core, phenomenal. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not um, doing an ad here for the diploma program, but I was just saying, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that I just did an in-school TOK workshop, fabulous workshop leader, Shamik Ghosh was his name. It was great. But so that's one way. That's one way that schools obviously do it. I, I, I believe through, you know, companies that provide um, workshops. So the in-school workshops is one way we do it. So they happen twice a year at our school. And then some of the other things we do is uh, our teachers have a, you know, individual professional, uh, I'm sorry, a personal PD budget. So usually staff will use that for, you know, an online course or to go somewhere and do a course. We have the internal professional development. So again, I, I coming back to our um, self-study reports, you know, so you get these self-study reports from your accrediting agency and from, you know, your authorization agencies like the IB. And what we've done then is we've taken the, you know, the, the IB recommendations and the the areas for growth from um, ACS WASC and then put them th- these together into a year-long strategic plan. And then we have early release days once a month and a late release day once a month. So then we have this time for the teachers to come together where we're focusing, you know, solely on our action plan. So, for example, we got one coming up now on December 7th that I'm organizing and I've put a sign out to teachers. Our goal, number one, is to develop in um, students to develop in their language acquisition. So what we're doing is we have, I think, you know, we got about an hour and a half. So I got two 40 minute sessions and teachers then are signing up to, to lead the sessions. And then after I have the sign up, teachers can choose, you know, which session they want to go to. And it's all, again, just focusing back on the the school goals. And I think a danger I've noticed in international schools is that sometimes they'll kind of pick PD like, oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and this big name and this big name. But if it's not connected to the school's strategic goals, you know, it can be it can be counterproductive. Yeah, the, then the professional growth programs then as well, you know, so each one of our staff goes through a professional growth program with me where we have a initial um, meeting and they, you know, they set a goal and we talk through the curriculum and how it works. And then we have a lesson observation. And then after the lesson observation, another interview, a feedback session. So this is more just to to get the, the teacher to, um, you know, to understand how the systems at, at the school work. And I use you know, James Strange's uh, and Charlotte Danielson's work for that. And then, like we said, the, the our strategic plan then comes from the IB standards and practices and the, the WASP focus on learning criteria. It's really nice to get an overview of all of the learning opportunities that are happening in a school like yours, because I think often schools get lost in the options and opportunities that are out there that they forget about the importance of strategy. So uh, I completely agree. I love the alignment back to school vision and, and mission. I think that's really important. One of the things that you know ties to this when we talk about your mission is one of the things I read about online. And at the end of your meetings, you always ask your team, what have we done today to further our mission? 
Tell us a little bit more about this and how it supports that change in your organization. Yeah, so, you know, props to, to my mentor, Brent. Moustich is it has been teaching me about this but this is just one thing that 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 really has helped me to grow in the area of of leadership you know I've always been strong in management I've not always been strong in leadership and emotional intelligence so leading with the mission you know like I said in, in everything you do so the week before last we had a, a PTA meeting and we we're all in the cafeteria and I actually I usually do it to end the meeting But two weeks ago, I did it to start the meeting and it worked perfectly that way as well. But I just said, as we start, you know, we're we're all here, you know, the PTA, you know, students, teachers, we're 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 here with this one goal. And our goal is to enable confident, open minded global citizens through lifelong learning and a sense of community. Just talk to your elbow partner and tell me, you know, just talk to your elbow partner, tell your elbow partner one way that we are achieving are that we are going to achieve this mission today by, you know, this PTA meeting. You know, we had an agenda, then we went into, you know, basically the what they chose, like what most groups chose was that, that last bit of our mission, which is uh, community driven. Then they, they just focused on that. And then it just, just brings us all back to, to why why we're here. And it's just such a simple technique, you know, but it does really make a big difference. I love that connection, Brian, back to why again. And it's something that's come up a few times. I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. And Simon Sinek says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I think that circles back to that concept of, you know, know your why, stick to what's true, uh, ask those questions and come back to that mission. I love it. Brian, let's jump into some quick fire questions. The first thing that comes to your head and maybe a brief why What's your favorite education book or resource? So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm currently reading. And I'm currently reading a, a book that has, has just been released by uh, Marilyn George and, and Barry Groves. Again, I, I do quite a bit of work with um, ACS, WASC, um, you know, as a visiting schools. So they've just come out with this short, concise, accurate book called Connecting the Dots of Accreditation. That's what I'm reading at the moment. And the why that that is so important is because I have seen so many schools just leave the, the self-study, the accreditation to the last year, make it this big rush. And it's kind of just done by this one person. But they miss the, the, the real benefit to the school behind it. And this is why, you know, we, we've set up these early release days and, and why teachers are meeting and focusing on the goals is that schools really need to learn how to leverage the self-study process, be it CIS, NIASC, WASC, IB, to get the most out of it. And I think this book has really captured the history behind it and the why. Brilliant. What's your go-to edtech tool, Brian, that the listeners need to try? All right, so I'll, I'll give you two. You know, I'm, I'm old, so my, my traditional one is, is Twitter. You know, I, I've, I've got a great, you know, learning network on Twitter, and I you know, the PYP chat, the MYP chat, these groups, you know, are, it's wonderful to be connected and to see what other people are doing. So as far as, you know, my professional learning network, it would be Twitter. But a very, very handy little tool that, uh, you know, I've, I've used in the past and we're using again now for, for making assessments is called Fluberoo. And the reason being, it just takes all the marking away so teachers can develop, you know, assessments exit tickets, um, any, anything, you know, that's multiple choice that, you know, ABCD kind of answers. And 
put in like the the marking code to Fluberoo and it will mark, you know, you're talking about hundreds of papers, whatever it is, in in seconds for you. So it saves the teacher with the the pen and paper. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that uh, as a tool to support teachers, particularly when time is one of the things that uh, always gets thrown up. And I'm sure you hear all the time as well. Brian, as we start to finish up here and summarize the amazing things you've been talking about, what's one daily habit or practice that helps you enjoy, progress and succeed in your career? Yeah, good, good. another great question. You know, I've gone through a very, very difficult time uh, recently. My, 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 my wife is actually just home from hospital. She she was diagnosed with cancer just last week, you know, so we're dealing dealing with that at the moment and being thankful. You know, it, it really is just developing an attitude of, of thankfulness for everything, just for every moment we have in these jobs, you know what I mean, with, with our children, with our friends, with our our wives, our kids, whatever, you know, and it's just, just t- to realize how good we have it. You know, sometimes we just get bogged down in the in the, the negative. And that's what I'm, you know, I, I, I kind of linked to this earlier on, Craig, and it was... It was just, uh, you know, the glass half full. And and I think that just to develop, a, you know, a, a culture or a, a habit of thankfulness. And another thing I do is we, we have a we're very fortunate at the school. We have a, a grass field. So I love to walk on the grass, but I just walk in the grass and take my my shoes off. And just that connection with nature that just, the, you know, the, the grass between my toes. I know it sounds a bit weird, but um but that's something that um, that I very much uh, enjoy doing. No, I think it's very special, Brian, and I appreciate the openness here as well about sharing the things that are important um, and, and that thankfulness and, and that attitude piece is often something that is missed in a lot of families and a lot of cultures, and, uh, and I love that you've called that out. Brian, you've shared so much today and inspired us in so many different ways. I know that the listeners are going to want to follow and connect with you. What's the best way for them to do that? The best way would be, I, I do have a, a blog and I, you know, it, it, if you kind of see my, my whole life journey is on there, you know, from teaching and, and you know, learning the, the, the basics of the IB and moving into leadership. And mostly now it's, it's about leadership, but my blog is a good place. And that's brianlawler.blogspot.com. And then you can also find me on uh, Twitter at Brian Lawler or LinkedIn. And I'm pretty active on on those two uh, social media outlets. Awesome. We'll make sure that all the links to the things that you've talked about, the books, the platforms, your ways of being connected are in the podcast notes below as well. Brian, thank you so much for your time today. Super inspirational. Hey, thanks a million for having me. Next week, join me for episode 114 of the Ignite EdTech podcast when I'm joined by Brent Coley for the second to last episode of 2022. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and share the podcast with your PLN and colleagues. Please remember to spend a few minutes to rate this podcast too on your podcast channel of choice so we can reach even more educators and EdTech enthusiasts globally. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. Check out the links in the description for more, and I'll see you again next week. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode. 
and be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.